0: We're on the hour, so we will start. So Amir and Jade are here as panelists, but also they are watching the the Q&A, keeping an eye on the chat. So would you, Amir and Jade, just like to introduce yourselves first? Uh, You're in that special role here.
1: Okay, sure, I'm Amir. I was introduced to, I think I said two years ago last time, but I think it's been more like three now. I was introduced to Headless Way and had a profound impact on how I view reality in life and um, I've got to know Richard a little bit over the last few months, organising various workshops here in London and it's my third time helping out on one of these webinars.
0: Marvellous, thank you. Jade?
2: Hi, I'm Jade, I've also been to a few of Richard's workshops and introduced um, to Headless Way by Amir, and it's kind of a way of life for me now. And um, yeah, I'm also helping out with the question and answers, and been doing it three times, also. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
3: Wonderful, thank you. John? Hi there, um, I'm John uh, from near Oxford, and uh, I received on Having No Head the book by Douglas Harding uh, for my 21st birthday. And um, it turned my world outside in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. So I'll just explain. I'm Richard, and these are all my friends, and I wanted to, to introduce the uh, you, the audience, uh, to my friends who are all seeing, who are all enjoying their true nature, and just to Uh, kind of uh, clarify that we've all got it and you've got it too, you can't see your face. So we're just in the beginning of the webinar and introducing ourselves. So Judy, would you like to introduce yourself?
4: Okay, I'm Judy, I'm living in South Wales in the UK and I um, also uh, saw that book uh, on having no head when I was about 30 and I couldn't make Head or tail of it, not at all. But I was, uh, then I, I met Douglas, and of course, he made it perfectly clear immediately. And so, um, this living the headless way has been the most important thing that I've ever found and ever done. And I'm thrilled that we've got so many people and we can all communicate.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Jose and Lorraine.
5: Hello, I'm Lorraine, I live in Paris, uh, I'm French, and uh, I met Douglas uh, when I was 20, so it was uh, 20... Don't
6: say it, don't say it.
5: Yes, a <laughs> lot of time. and uh, I get the points, and uh, I, I share this, uh, this point with people who come to my home, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be here.
2: Hello,
6: so Jose, uh, I live in Paris with Lorraine, and I met Douglas in 1993, I think, and he, he changed my life because uh, um, I discovered uh, who I am and I share seeing with friends in France, Belgium, and Switzerland uh, since then. So I'm very happy to meet you.
0: Wonderful, thank you. Karen and Amarnata,
7: Hi, everyone. I'm from Holland. Um, I discovered this uh, approach by grace, I must say, (laughs) at the end of a long seeking, decades of seeking, (laughs) various roads and uh, nothing was satisfying, but this was satisfying. This hit home and uh, has been home since. That's it.
8: Uh, My name's Am Renato and also living in Holland with Karen. Um, And I uh, met Douglas when I was a Buddhist monk about 20 years ago and uh, Yeah, it also had a profound effect on me and uh, no longer a Buddhist monk (laughs) but uh, still uh, using and living from the headlessness
0: Wonderful, thank you. Colin and Carol Uh, Hi, I'm
9: Carol. I live in Suffolk in the UK And I was very fortunate enough um, to meet Colin over 50 years ago, and through Colin met Douglas and um, also couldn't understand what all the fuss was about initially. But um, since then, over the years, it's become incredibly important, incredibly inspiring, and um, the cornerstone of my life. Mm -hmm. Happy to be here.
10: Yes, I'm Colin, and I just like to say this is just lovely, looking at these faces and knowing that that people are joining in with us, and it matches what I have felt all my life with this uh, seeing, and that is a, a terrific gratitude at the friends that it's, that it's brought, friends who are you know just wonderful to have and.
0: Uh, and share this with. Mm. Thank you. Uh, Katie?
11: Hi, I'm Katie from Toronto, Canada. And thank you for, oh, I'm just grateful for
2: this
11: (coughs) opportunity to share with you how grateful I am for the Headless Way. I've uh, heard about it years ago, but I was put off by the name So I didn't do the experiments, and then I suffered more, and then sought some more, and now I'm here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Greg and June?
12: Hi, everybody. I'm Greg, and I'm here in Wisconsin in the United States with June. And I came across the Headless Way about nine months ago. And uh, I did the experiments, and I saw my true nature was that simple. And I'm so drawn to the nine hierarchy of what we're doing here. It's so refreshing. There's no gurus. There's no levels. There's no. There's no way to do it wrong. And so I love all those things and more about being here with all of you. All
13: right, and yeah, and I, Greg introduced me to the headless way, and I initially thought it was kind of dumb. And then I did some experiments, and just I just have been wowed by the refined, the refined direct access that's available through this. And it's just blown my mind and, and, and really appreciate the community around it.
0: Wonderful. And Bill.
14: Hi, uh, my name is Bill. I, I came across uh, seeing uh, in my mid 20s and uh, uh, never managed to recover. <laughs> <laughs>
13: <laughs>
2: so it's been a,
14: it's been a trip, and and as Colin said, it's great to share. It's just so lovely to to have new friends, particularly new friends. Yeah, great. Wonderful, thank you.
0: So, John, uh, t- would you like just to take us through an experiment, uh, just so that uh, we start off with the experience for anyone, perhaps, who has not done an experiment? Uh, just something simple.
3: Yeah. Okay, do you want the classic pointing experiment? Oh, go on then. Why (laughs) not? Okay. So this is suddenly morphed into a joining in doing thing. Okay, so everybody get their index finger. Okay. And we're expecting the audience out there to do this as well. And select an object in the room, uh, some distance from you, say a picture on the wall or a light switch, anything, as long as it's an object in the room. And gradually, with your finger, go around the outline of the object. And notice some qualities of that object. It does have an outline. It has a perimeter or edge where the object finishes, and the background, the rest of the world begins. It has color, or a number of colors, and it has a shape. It's a thing. Now, redirect your index finger, and you may have to shift your chair to do this, because I'd like to invite you to point at your foot. So, Get your index finger located on your foot. Again, just maybe once trace round the outside of your foot. Notice the shape. Notice the color or colors. And the fact that it has got an edge. In my case, there's an edge where the foot finishes and the carpet begins. Now, take your finger and point at your own knee. And again, just make a little circle to outline where your knee is. It's a kind of blob. Mine's blue because I've got jeans on. It's got an outside where the knee finishes. It's got a kind of shape and color. It's a thing, it's an object in the world. And now, Redirect your index finger to point at the middle of your body. And notice that this too is a thing, it's an object. It has qualities such as color, shape, and an outer limit. And finally, point this way to where others see your face. So now I'm seeing the tip of my index finger pointing this way. And check out is that finger pointing at a thing? Is it pointing at an object which has colour, an outer edge, a definite shape? Now, everyone individually has the authority to say what they find. I'll share what I find. What I find is no color here, no shape, no edge where I finish and the world begins. What I see here is an open capacity, a space, a clarity, Lots of words we could use. An invisibility, a kind of nothingness, but not a nothingness, because I find this space here is filled with my finger, the laptop, the window, my body parts. It's filled with the world, it's not empty at all. All right. Mm.
0: That's marvelous. Thank you. We start off on the right track. So Amir and Jay, do you want to just uh, let us know if there are any Q&A questions at the moment?
1: I'll read one from Mahesh. When a headless person uses the term I, what do they refer to? Secondly, do you identify with your body, i.e., is your foot no more yours than the sound of the bird? Oh, <laughs> all Can right
0: Anyone want to put their hand up for that?
14: Yeah, I can do that.
0: Okay, Bill, and then Judy.
14: Uh, well, um, I don't mind, uh, Judy can do it, that's fine. Well, we, we just play, so go for it. Well, um, what I mean by I, um, shrinks and expands all the time. Um, sometimes by I, I mean this particular human, individual, with an age and a history and uh, um, variation, limitation, all of that. Sometimes I'm, I uh, refer to something smaller or larger than that. Um, and as far as the headless way goes, what we've done is to push through uh, all of those layers of, of um, identity, larger and smaller, into the centre and asked the question, always it's a question, and the question is what do you find at the center of your world, what do what you like where you are, is the question we're asking and, and what I find and what uh, other people tell me they find is that at center the, the eye that I'm talking about when I'm pointing to the center is an eye that has no character, no content, no size, no name, no age, no history, um, what uh, Rinzai called the, the, the one of no rank above the mass of red flesh. So, so one's, one's answer to that question is that the eye there is. but, in, but, but in, insofar as we're talking about what the headless way is pointing to, then the eye that we refer to is this central noumenon, the subject, the unidentified subject whose identity we have to then discover for ourselves through sense evidence.
4: That's
0: it. Great. Thanks, Bill. Judy, you want to add to
4: that? Uh, what was the second part of the question? I've forgotten but there was another part.
0: Well, just answer the one you remember.
4: <laughs> um, yes, well, like Bill said, uh, the expansion and contraction of the eye, but um, in everyday life, sometimes I'm talking about Judy to me, and sometimes When I pay attention to what's going on, I'm referring to what or who I really, really, really am, as Douglas would have said. And the whole point of this uh, way is to um, be living from who you really, really, really are. And uh, sometimes um, I find that duty is rather obvious. Um, in perhaps antagonism to, to how I think I should be behaving. But it's, it's all of a piece, really. And it's being natural. So referring to yourself as who you are, really are, and who you are as a person, is a kind of natural thing. It's, a, it's an awareness that you're not just what you look like in the mirror. Um, that that person, not just that. You're what is observing this, uh, the, the one in the mirror or on the screen at this moment, and embracing the whole world. So we, we live in a hierarchy, don't we? We live in a hierarchy of um, from no thing to everything. And that's what it's about, really.
0: Thank you, Judy. Amira, we'll just keep moving. Uh, Do you want to answer that, Karen? Yes. And then we'll have another question. Go for it.
7: I just want to add to what Bill and Judy said, that the terms that Douglas introduced to me, not uh, while he was alive, unfortunately, but through uh, what he wrote, is um, uh, the big one and the little one. And I like those terms so much, because the little one is then referring to me as a person, me as a human being. And it's also a sweet, a sweet, uh, the little one, you know, like referring to a child or a a dear one, and uh, that's actually the best relationship that I can have with this, uh, for sure, very, uh, uh, well, faulted is a heavy word, but you know, (laughs) there's a lot wrong with her, (laughs) that's for sure. (laughs) And the big one, then you know, it goes so wide, uh and none of that applies to the big one. So, the the little one and the big one, I find very helpful in referring to either, yeah, one of the two identities that I have. Great, thank you. I, I'll
0: I'll go on, Lauren. Yeah, thank you. My my English is not good. I I apologize for that, but.
5: Uh, just about that, I want to say that uh, in uh, spirituality, you, usually uh, identification is uh, pointed as a, a problem, as uh, something that you have to, 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 uh, to, to uh, not to, to do that. But uh, with this uh, with this way, uh, it's inclusive, and identification is natural thing baby uh identify identifi- uh, do identification with the, the mother and in the identification is the way you you um, you become one with the with the world so uh, yes that's it. thank wonderful. you
0: wonderful thank you thank you I'll just uh, add a, a something there that uh, just to say the obvious really that we've all got the experience you can't see your face instead you see the world and this is a non-verbal experience and it does not mean you have to feel anything in particular it's not an emotional thing it's just an observation that you're built open so then we can use all kinds of definitions and ways of thinking about it and there isn't a right way there's just your way and my way and someone else's so
11: You
0: uh, you've got the experience, yeah. Katie.
11: Yes, I'd like to go to the second part of the question. And it's true when I am here, who I really, really am, the big one. I do not, it's not the, the song, the sound of the bird and the part of my leg. It's the same thing. But in the little one, if you call my name, Katie, I would answer. So it's both.
0: Lovely, thank you. Amir and Jade, uh, another question?
11: Hi, and so
2: we have Jeff Wright. How do we accommodate other sense aside from seeing? How about thoughts?
0: Ah, thoughts. Someone uh, inspired to respond to that?
14: Let me think about that.
0: (laughs) Colin and Carol, what do you think? Thoughts?
4: Answer about thoughts? go
14: ahead. Yeah. Uh,
10: Thoughts are interesting, aren't they? I think the question is, where are thoughts? And my own experience is that thoughts are not trapped inside anything because there's nothing here to hold them. So thoughts uh, appear in the world. at the moment they might be kind of uh, uh, ranging around this screen that I'm looking at. Um, When I'm walking out uh, in the fields, my thoughts might be ranging around the hedges and the trees and even in the sky. There's nothing to hold thoughts in. And that's a marvelous thing because uh, they have freedom. And if they have freedom, uh, then one one has a kind of creativity with them. Um, they, don't, um, they don't block me up. They don't hold me in. They're just part of uh, the scene, really. And feelings are just the same. Where are feelings? Well, they appear in the world. And if I'm with someone, like here I'm looking at Judy, my heart opens to Judy and there are my feelings where Judy is duty's lovable face. So feelings go out in the world, thoughts go out in the world, because there's nothing to hold them in.
0: Wonderful. Mm, Thank you. Greg and June, any response to uh, about that?
12: Yeah, I'd like to add one thing to that. I've noticed that this place here, my true nature is, is thoughtless, no mind, there's no thinking going on there. And when thoughts are out here in my body, mind, and in the world, I think a lot more clearly. And I can act on those thoughts a lot more clearly as well. So rather than being sort of overwhelmed with my thinking, I actually organically finding myself doing what feels right next without needing to think about it so it's very very fun
0: and practical yeah
13: yeah and i guess along the practical line i sometimes think of my thoughts even and feelings even as subtle objects so there's they're part of the space as well because i think sometimes i'm just being thought and i'm just kind of living in that space
0: wonderful Okay, another question, uh, Jade or Romeo?
1: Um, So popular question here is from Henry. Is there a need to meditate after becoming headless?
0: Oh, I think Amaranato has to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ex-monk. <laughs> it's the
8: ex-monk that's done loads and loads and loads and loads of meditation. Uh, well, it's, a, it's an interesting to see you know, like uh, when you do sit, if you do want to sit, what you're actually attending to. So I notice now when I, if I do want to sit, which is not that often anymore, um, is that um, there there feels like there's something that you have to do. And uh, it, it, it generates for me actually like the thinking mind, like that there's something to attain or something to get. And so like, You've already got the answer, so why would you want to meditate? It's already uh, it's already obvious that you're free. You know you're at the end of the line already. Uh, so I still like to meditate because it's it's nice for the body. Uh, I like looking after my body that way. It's not that I haven't totally stopped it, but the idea of using meditation to get somewhere is is like a bit of a cosmic joke now. You know, like you've got to spend a whole long time on the mat or wherever it is in your dojo or meditation room or whatever to get something that you're going to get in the future. Uh, it, really, uh, it, really limits, it really limits the experience. So if you want to talk about like classical mindfulness, you could think of it as a practice which helps you to stay with the headless experience, that it reminds you. To actually just come back home, which is right now, and always has been. But that's my that's my personal experience of it.
0: Mm, wonderful, thank you.
6: Yeah.
0: Anyone else? Oh, Jose and then Katie.
6: Yeah. Hello. I, I used to do a lot of meditation before meeting uh, Douglas Harding. And I did Zen meditation, and I like it very much. When when I discover here yeah, the seeing the space. Um, i realized that i didn't need to do meditation uh, again because it was always here so but in a way you can uh, you can um, name the seeing meditation douglas often uh, you know gave uh, this name meditation for marketplace because it's really a practice you have to practice to to um, come back here again again in each situation, um, during the work, when you are talking, when you are alone. So it's practice. You can call that meditation if you want to, why not? And you can still continue to do Zen meditation. I mean, it's inclusive, not exclusive. I have a lot of friends who uh, are doing Zen meditation or Vipassana meditation, why not? but you will do the meditation from the space here, seeing that nobody is doing meditation, and you are not in the dojo, you are not in the temple, the temple is in you, and that's very, very different.
0: Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, Katie? What
11: helped helped me was um, to, to realize when I meditate, I'm not trying to get to who I really am, But when I'm meditating now, I'm meditating from who I really, really am. So it's not something that I have to get. So when I was in Vipassana for 10 10 years, it was something to get to. And then when I came to headlessness, I said, oh, I don't need that. But now with the pandemic and I'm inside, it just feels nice for me to go back to just sit and enjoy who I really, really am.
0: Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. All right, another question.
1: Want to read it?
2: <laughs> yeah, so we've got one from Jason, Jason Um I'm stuck on the first-person experience of seeing my finger pointing at my face. I know I can't see my face because my eyes are in my head receiving information. How can I get from there? Um, How can I get from there to having an experience of being headless without making up something in my head?
1: (laughs) And and just so the panelists know, it's a very popular question.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Carol, great.
9: Yes, it's it's a very good question. And it's one that I struggled with when Colin was attempting to share this this way of seeing with me. I I struggled with this. Um, How can you turn your gaze back on yourself and um, the finger didn't particularly work for me. Um, What did work, people could try this maybe, was after several hours (laughs) into the night of um, trying to see this and failing because of my mind, you know, uh, entering. um, Colin said, "Um, imagine a beam going out from your eye out into the world. It's a beam of light. And actually see that beam, you can see it. Turn the beam, the, your gaze back to where the beam is coming from. So it wasn't so much a finger, it was a, it was almost an imagined thing. And the beam of light came back here to, oh, nothing. And I said, is that it? (laughs) And he said, well, yes. And I thought, that's a bit of an anticlimax. So simple, you know, I could see it. It was like, um, it was a bit like, you know, um, the picture, the black and white picture where you can either see a vase or a face, is it? Um, I suddenly saw, did that click and saw the other thing. Absence here. Just." Uh, nothing here and that worked for
0: me Wonderful, thank you Someone else like to respond to that Okay, Emma
8: uh, So the thing that I like to like I like to do rather than the pointing one is to uh, Like look in a in a window look out of a window And you sort of see this in front of you, you see a, a sort of open space yeah, and then that that somehow allow allowed me to sort of really relax, and and be with a much more sort of spacious visual field. And then a bit like what uh, Carol just said, to sort of see what I'm actually looking out of, see that that space there's there's still nothing here. And sometimes you know, like it like um, with a mirror, you can also do it more clearly. But in that window, you can see a reflection of yourself, you know. And then I just leave Renato on the window there in in that reflection and leave him there. And then I just come back here and I d- I still can't see my face. So it's a, you know, and I think you have to find your own way with it. Pointing out is just one of the uh, one of the experiments and you have to find out what works for you. For me, when I was a monk, I found in nature really helpful, you know, that I was outside and I felt more spacious. And then I kept just, uh, you know, asking myself, what am I looking out of, you know? and And it and it would click for some people it's not an immediate experience.
0: lovely, thank you and perhaps uh, I'll just say something, Lorraine, and then I'll go to you just uh, as an attendee or even as a panelist, just look at one of the faces and notice that you see the face there, but you don't see yours at the same time, and we call it face to no face uh, you're built open for the other you're you're i, I I'm looking at someone it, it's face to no face, and this is trusting what you see rather than what you've been told to see so it's very radical Lorraine.
5: yes i I think uh each of us has a, an exercise that we we really prefer at the beginning we like like to share this exercise and uh, what I like to do is to uh to open the uh, no, not the arms. When you when you are not uh, very open to, to to your true nature, you, you used to separate things and to see a part of the of the, uh, the things. So you open the the attention, and you can see that in front of your of your computer now. In the back of, of uh, what you see, you can see the, your, your hands and, the, and you can see the, the, the legs. They are just here. There is nothing to do in particular, just to open to, to what is now. And now uh, you can see the, the computer, the body, the, the back of your body, and it opens to the space because all these things are in the space.
0: That you are <coughs> wonderful, wonderful. Okay, um, another question, perhaps uh, Amir and Jade.
1: Yeah, um, maybe I'll just quickly add my yes. my favorite uh, way of seeing, or, or one of them is just to notice if I look at my feet, my they're in the middle of my view. And then, from my perspective, my knees are underneath my feet, not above them. And then, underneath my knees is my waist, and then underneath my chest. And if I keep looking underneath my chest, I see it recedes into nothing. So, as it were, there's nothing at the top of my own body, from a visual perspective, just from a scene. That that often points me directly into the the nothing that I think this is pointing at. Okay. Um, So, question from Shane. How does being headless affect you when you're not thinking about being headless, when you're just going about your day?
3: Ah, John. I'm always thinking about being headless. <laughs> I find, it's true. It's true. I was reflecting the other day that, you know, uh, I don't know, 80, 90% of my thoughts are about being headless. Okay. And I still manage to operate. I still manage to. Uh, you know do everything that human beings are supposed to do uh, but um, I find it endlessly fascinating I mean you know every day there's some new insight um, I've been you know I've been writing notes all through this meeting because of all the fabulous things that people have been saying that and most of them I've never thought of and I've been doing this for 49 years okay so it is, it is constantly um, you know uh, Stimulating.
6: Stimulating.
0: Well, uh, oh, Jose, yes.
6: Yes, you don't have to think about headlessness, you just have to pay attention to the space here. It's, it's different for me, it's not really a south, it's uh, just to, to, to see the obvious here, and in, in this space you will have a lot of souths, uh, different sort of thoughts. But you can have both thoughts and space here. You know? Thoughts are um, coming from the space and are disappearing in the space, you know? So it's always both, space and thoughts.
0: Wonderful. Colin, have you got anything to add there about? Uh, uh, yes. I, I was struck by what John
10: said about he's been making notes and uh, how It's an endless journey of discovery, isn't it? Things that uh, keep coming up. And I was thinking today about a a train journey that I took, which was from uh, the city of Norwich down uh, to London, a hundred mile journey. And it was just packed full of incidents. For instance, walking down the, uh, the, the carriageway and seeing that the seats and the windows were going past me, and that I was perfectly still. Then sitting down and seeing all this wonderful um, uh, scene of uh, fields and telegraph poles and so on, all flashing past, and I was sitting there perfectly still. And then the minutes and and, and the, um, the hour of this journey, it was ticking by, and yet I was only present only in the present, there was no time. And the sense that there was actually no journey or no arrival in a journey, no arrival. When the train got into Liverpool Street Station and I got out of the carriage, I hadn't arrived because it was always still going. And when I went out into the actual concourse There were all these people milling around and there was hassle and noise and so on. And it was wonderful. And I looked at these people going up the um, staircase to the street level to get their buses and taxis and so on. And I was just absolutely knocked out because this was my face. All of these people, I was not separate. So there was one thing after another, after another, endlessly fascinating. And the final thing in this was it it just opened my heart because uh what I was looking at was not just uh, full of variety and interest, it was actually also lovable and uh, And I thought, well, what a journey, But of course, you can go on and on like this, just as John has been making these notes. It's an endlessly fascinating thing to just be nothing and see. Um, what happens this is the path, really isn't it see and see what happens and uh, and enjoying it uh, along the way
0: Carol,
9: can i just add something to that questioner um direct something to that questioner um i'm not quite like john i don't think about it consciously or see it consciously all the time but over the years have bit It habituates itself so that although I'm not consciously walking about headless, because I know I have seen it and I know it to be true, undeniably true, I'm operating from that um, space. So I don't think about it a great deal, unless um, in, in certain situations, but I know in my heart that that's where it, I'm coming from because it's, it just has to be true.
0: Wonderful. Ooh. Katie?
11: It helps me in my daily life, even though I'm not thinking consciously all the time of headlessness, um, it helps me to, to be more courageous, that's what i found. Yesterday I was thinking a lot about Writing an email to my boss, and normally I would not, never, I would not ask this question because I know that, you know, it would be too much to ask. And I asked it, I don't know, I I just had the strong feeling to ask it. And then I, when I pressed the button, I kept thinking, should I press the button now? Because I have, I, anyway, there's lots of self doubt. And then when I pressed the button, I just knew, like, okay this space here it's got it all so i i send the email and he said yes and it's just things like that it just blows me away in my daily life even though i'm not consciously thinking of it 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 just yeah it helps me
0: wonderful thank you another question
2: there Yeah, and we have, um, how does being headless help you with self-consciousness?
0: Who feels inspired to respond to that? Greg?
12: (laughs) (laughs) How did you know? (laughs) Well, I'm feeling a little self-conscious right now. And I'm also aware of this space where I'm not. So I think for me, Seeing who I really am opens this space to say yes to whatever I'm experiencing, whether it's self-consciousness or fear or worry, whatever it is. And so as I do that, and as that happens, as you were saying, Carol, more and more habitually in my life, Mm
13: -hmm.
12: I find that I don't need to even think about being self-conscious as much. It just doesn't come into my experience like it did. So it's been a real... A real gift and it it feels like there's a freedom that's emerging inside of me that was bound up in self-consciousness
13: before I saw this. And I just want to add to that too, as you were speaking, that experience for me is almost like an experience of surrender. And so it actually uh, reforms my self-consciousness into something enjoyable. And I'm just kind of like falling into it rather than just holding up against it. And it's so it actually makes it fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Anyone else feel inspired to answer that? Ah, Karen.
7: Yes. I get, uh, I think one of the situations where I can get very self-conscious is when I have to speak, uh, in public for, uh, a number of people, and also, still, when I give a workshop, but what always helps me over the threshold is just realize that I am those people I'm speaking to. Um, there's, uh, there's, well, there's nothing here, but just open up to uh, and consciously become those people, and and that sort of evaporates the whole thing the heart opens with it Uh, it's just easy to have this huge embrace which I actually am always as well
0: Mm, wonderful wonderful okay well just uh, pause for a moment and just be aware of your single eye and be aware you On your side of the screen, you're just built open and uh, the field of view fades out into the great void. And uh, if you're feeling self-conscious now, be aware that that is part of the content. It's like Colin's thoughts about the fields. Uh, The self-consciousness is part of the view. And I think that that means one can I think perhaps as uh, June was saying, accept it a bit more easily and uh, be compassionate towards oneself, you know? It's uh, part of life. Judy.
4: I was just thinking back to um, when I first came across this and self-consciousness was the real problem for me. I found it extremely embarrassing um, to speak up in a group because I thought everyone would be looking at me, which they were. Um, and so what I did, of course, when that happened was I would get outside myself and look back at me and be wondering what sort of impression I was making. Um, and when... Uh, Douglas also was very self-conscious. This is one of the things, when he was young, this is one of the things that he talked about. And I, I switched from getting outside myself and looking at what I thought other people were seeing in my imagination. And I just switched to looking at them from the nothingness, including them and looking at them. And when I started these Zooms, I I found that the first thing that happened was I was very conscious of Judy out there on the screen. And um, doing this thing again. And of course, this is what we learn, isn't it? We learn in our growing up process to see ourselves as other people see us. There's even a saying about it how we, we need to do that. Well, actually, what we, yeah, we probably do, but then we need to get rid of that. And we need to see ourselves as we see ourselves, just being space for all those other people, all those um, people out there who. Are obviously not spending their time thinking what the students look like, how much I imagined they were, um, and just to be to see where you're coming from and to to allow um, yeah your attention to be on the world. And um, it's the the zooms when you're when you yourself picture as well, it's very good practice because it's a constant reminder that I don't look like what I see Judy to look like in the screen. I don't look like that here, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And another thing another thing that um, was very illuminating for me was to realize that everybody sees each of us in a different way. So, so really, why not be space for that and allow them to think whatever they want?
13: Because
4: that's the real situation. Mm
0: -hmm. Katie? Uh,
11: Yes, self consciousness. I was, when I was asked if I wanted to be in the panel, the first reaction was, no, no, I'm, I'm too self-conscious. But then I realized I'm so grateful for Douglas and his experiment. It's just changed my life. So then, and I, I realized back here, when I look back here, this, it's nothing, I cannot say anything wrong. I cannot do it wrong. So why not? So then I accepted, that's why I'm here. And yeah, con- self-consciousness, it's great. It's fun.
0: Wonderful, thank you. Bill, do you want to say something
14: about that? Uh, about self-consciousness? Yeah. No, I don't think I do, thank you. I've been, I'm, I'm sorry, I've been looking at the questions. I'm astonished by the questions. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. too much attention. No, that's
6: fine.
0: Uh, Jade and Amir, oh, there's uh, Jose, yes. Yes,
6: oh, there is a wonderful experiment in the endless way to deal with relationship and maybe self-consciousness is to see that when I am with people, I am not face to face, but face to space. It's an incredible freedom for you, Lorraine and Jose are face to face, but uh, I suppose for you you are not face to face, and I am space for Lorraine's face. So uh, it's, it's a wonderful um, way to deal with this um, problem in relationship, because you are just open for. for basis, you know, for everybody.
5: I, I can say something more? Yes. Just say that it's, uh, uh, I, I was uh, shy, I was self-conscious before uh, meeting that, and it was uh, radical, uh, A <laughs> radical, it cut this, uh, this thing, because I, I can see that I'm very, very big, 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 and there is, uh, people are very small, so... No problem, (laughs) and we have a lot of friends who can say that, the same thing.
0: Yes, lots of friends, yes, say the same.
1: All right, moving on. There's a question here from Leonardo, how does the headless way develop through the years?
0: Oh. Well, I think Colin and Carol have to start that one because they started in the mid-1960s, so uh, what do you think?
9: Well, (laughs) yeah, interestingly, um, for people who don't know, I had no prior interest in this kind of thing at all. I wasn't interested in looking at my true nature, I wasn't interested in spirituality, I had no background in meditation, nothing. Um... So it came to me as an extremely practical um, experience and true, a true experience. Um, and at first, um, I think like June, I thought this was um, stupid and, and peculiar and odd and... Um, um, these people, although they seemed really nice, they were just peculiar. I mean, how can you go around saying you haven't got a face, you haven't got a head? It just didn't make sense. And yet, and yet, um, because it was true, and I kept seeing it, and I had one or two um, euphoric experiences um, of being at one with the world, of being at one with nature, which didn't last they were just highs, and they didn't last, and I was back to the ordinary, everyday seeing. Over the years, um, it's, it's had a profound effect in, in a very in very subtle ways. Um, an effect um, of, I think Jose said, of somehow doing the right thing, the, the thing that's um, appropriate at the time. Um not to say that one doesn't have the normal life problems. We ought to say this. It, it's not panacea for all ills immediately. We're, we're, you know, we're the big one and the little one, as Karin said. Um, and the little one is bound to, now and again, you know, rebel, come up with all the old habit patterns and so on. But if you stick at it, um, it will gradually it will change your life and everyone's approach is different as Richard says everyone is different and some people it's radical um, like with Lorraine and others it's slow like with me
0: and Colin wonderful Carol thank you Colin what's your thoughts on how did it develop over the years yes
10: I don't know what my life would have been like without this. Uh, I do know that there are certain times when one is just knocked back into what is real without any thought of of any response and, Maybe it's a crisis, maybe meeting someone, being in a situation with someone, which is very difficult, and being knocked back to this because it's it's in my bones, you know, and relying on it um, to come up with the right thing. It might be a surprising thing, but the right thing for that situation. And sometimes the right thing is simply to be completely gone from the situation, to be nothing at all and to be just quiet with that and discovering that um, this, is, this, is the right, this is the right way to go with it. So what I'm talking about really is trust and, uh, uh, and, and finding that um, it's my deepest resource and uh, I trust it, that's it really
0: hmm wonderful thank you someone else how it's uh developed for you yes Amma.
8: so uh because I, i've sort of made uh quite radical choices in my in my life about my existence you know going from a monk and then coming back into uh into lay life and then into relationship you know uh it's been a tremendous resource to be able to shift through these different uh, stages uh, uh, of life, you know, that, uh, that regardless of what's sort of going on, you can just come back to this uh, place, you know, this uh, peacefulness with all that's what's, whatever's going on. And I think it's particularly really interesting, and I, I'm the one that's going to say it, but just that nobody's mentioned the word virus here yet at all not not one of us Katie did, did she oh I missed it sorry yeah there you go missing attention Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah the, there's not been that much talk about the virus yeah and that says something about you know where 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 we are that we can that, that's still present you know it's in present in all of our lives but um, that, that doesn't have to be the focus and that, that for me is um, again so refreshing, and you know, gives gives uh, me uh, peace. Really.
7: Well, I, I I like to say something to that as well. Uh, I've been struggling over the past days when this whole situation uh, keeps on going, and my uh, my little one doesn't like it at all. So there is this resistance going on at the personal level, like, gosh, I want to get out, I want to travel, I want to meet people, I want to celebrate my birthday, I want to this, I want that. <laughs> and uh, I was also struggling with, uh, so how do how do I deal with this? And then it came to me today again, like, this is the situation. And this is not created by me, this is created by the big one, is it? It appears, this whole situation. And then I thought again, well, see and wait. See and wait. So, uh, see how, Probably from the problems that are created now, the solutions will also be created at some point of time. Maybe I don't like them, I don't know, but uh, the attitude is see and wait, and not resist and, uh, you know, uh, turn the back to to everything. No, it's just being open, seeing this is willed by the big one, it happens, it is. I'm curious. So, yeah, I'm curious.
0: Thank you. Judy?
4: I'd like to go back to uh, something that Carol, um, the question about meditation, because unlike Carol, I was brought up with uh, quite a religious background. I went uh, to a Catholic school, and I was very keen on that. And later, I... Um, was in uh, discovered Zen Buddhism, and I was very keen on that. And one of the things that really struck me at the beginning was the beautiful quotations that come up in the writings, Sagos's writings. Um, but the main thing was I suddenly understood those obscure scriptures when I saw. Who I was in this way, and particularly the Buddhist ones. I suddenly understood what they meant, what the meaning of the Heart Sutra was, for example. And it was so simple. And I always wanted to lead a spiritual life. Um, and as somebody said, this meditation, the marketplace, you know, to be um, in contact with one source all the time or even if not consciously, as Katie said, to know that one is united with the source of everything uh, is terribly important to me. And um, all those, uh, these days, of course, there's so much controversy about religion because uh, it's flaws, as you might say, it's so obvious. But the, the very, very heart of it is this, search this endeavour to be consciously united with our source and this is the perfect way for our time it seems to me to practice that and to be there.
0: Mm. Thank you. All right. Another question?
2: Yeah, we've got, um, can you please talk about the psychological implications of being headless?
0: Now, who's the psychologist? <laughs> Anyone feel inspired? Well, I, I okay, I'll go first. Uh, just that uh, uh, a bit like what Colin was saying—that where is your psychology? Um, I, so, I'm, I'm free of my psychology here, but I've got lots of psychology there. Uh, but this awareness that. You're free of uh, your psychology, there's no mind. Uh, a bit like what what has emerged uh, during this meeting, That just knowing that, knowing that you're free of it, you know, and you're operating from this freedom. And it's not an achievement, it's just the way you're built and everyone's built like that. That is, you know, still I'm a crazy person, but here uh, I have access to this sanity and this freshness, you know, and and it's so, uh, it's not old, I don't know, psychology gets old or something, but uh, I I was aware a day or two ago, I woke up and everything fresh. And Douglas Harding had a great phrase for it, the early morning freshness freshness of the world. This moment, fresh, fresh, like now. Now, all the psychology there, but this fresh, open, clear, Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So I think that uh, it is so heartwarming, isn't it? To recognize that deep down at your center, you are all right, more than all right. You're the, the source, you know, and everyone is. Uh, and it gives you compassion for all your, The many times a day I put my foot in a bucket. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: now, Okay, that's my uh, analysis of the situation. (laughs) Someone else like to respond?
14: Well, for me, um, the the psychological implications of seeing have become more and more evident. Uh, I guess it took a while, but I, I, for me, there is a radical profound difference between the world that we're, that we're taught about, that we, that we believe ourselves to live in, in the world as seen and, and experienced, seen, touched, tasted, felt, you know, the given world. And the world that's given in the subject, to the subject, um, drastically alters that one's view of what's going on. And that does erode um, psychological, tenseness, psychological blocks. It really does over time. But my experience has been that I haven't focused on that. Uh, Many people do. I just haven't one, I don't know, I just haven't particularly, but I've found that life's problems, as one knocks up against them, expose one's limitations psychologically. And that that seeing that this center is stable, clear, unaffected, and, and habitable, it's where you live, it's where you're coming from. That gives one an ability to allow space around the psychological rigidities, and that will eventually allow them to be expressed and dispersed. And so when I find myself sinking more and more deeply into this un- unknown, unnamed all rightness that Richard was talking about. So it does seem to me to be profoundly significant on a psychological level, but how that emerges will depend on your particular psychology and your particular life. Wonderful, thank you.
0: And Emma, yes.
8: Uh, So um, I've been quite uh, physically ill in my life uh, quite a few times, and uh, during those times, uh, because of the particular illness, which was a toxic poisoning, it sort of, it affected my brain, it affected my cognitive faculties. In a way, and so I'd, I actually watched my mental health decline, and it was quite interesting from the uh, from the space I mean I already had a- access to it to to being headless and then i just I actually just watched myself decline for a while, and um, that was also okay, and uh, it was actually quite profound to see uh, that it that could be included in the in the space. And there's and, and as a also as a monk, there was a number of times when doing these like these intensive meditations where something would happen with the body or whatever, but but somehow the this the the awareness would like just like what Bill and uh, Richard were saying, was able to really hold I was really able to trust. It was like a moment of grace really. And uh, it's, uh, so it's really, uh, really totally profound, even though, I, and in addition, I've had years of psychotherapy as well myself. But the the grace of the, the space is just phenomenal for holding all of this, that regardless of whatever the personality is doing, you can, it can be received in that space. And that, and that it gives you such a powerful place to operate, regardless of how your mind is construed.
0: Wonderful, thank you. Carol? Um,
9: Yes, just to to add to that, um, I think Colin said, when you're faced with really difficult situations, Mm -hmm. if you see and wait, as Karin said, sometimes the answer is surprising. And it may be Mm -hmm. that it works itself out, as Bill said, over your life of itself, it may lead you into going in for therapy, because that seemed the right thing to do at the time. Um, mm. And it might be right for one person and not for another. Um, and, and, but you can view the therapy, uh, you know, uh, within this space too. Mm. Yeah? Mm.
0: Loren, yes.
5: Um, uh, I think a lot of people think that they can resolve uh, life problems uh, with the south uh, thinking about 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 uh, life and about problems. And for me, the the, the big big discovery is to see that uh, uh, my my problems in life I, I can resolve them only uh, uh, jumping in them and. Uh, uh, it's that self that can give me help, but only to, to be with, only to be open to, to them.
0: <clears throat> Wonderful, thank you. All right, um, another question?
1: Um, yeah, so very popular question is, where is the headless way located among the many theories of consciousness? So a more conceptual question, perhaps, e.g. dualist, panpsychist. So maybe to give some context, dualism would mean there's matter and then some things that are conscious or consciousness arises out of that. Panpsychist would be that everything, uh, however small, has an element of individual consciousness. Or non-duality would be there is just consciousness.
0: Uh, Amma
8: so uh, one of my weird backgrounds is that i've got a degree in artificial intelligence and um, so part of exploring artificial intelligence is to try to explore intelligence and theory of mind and daniel dennett and all these uh, big players in terms of cognitive uh, cognitive uh, philosophy and psychology and linguistics so you study all these different things and the interesting thing is that you know everybody's trying to build these artificial intelligence systems, um, but nobody's really got an idea of of what consciousness is, and uh, and so um, uh, what I what I experienced in in that in all of that was all these theories are limited because they they come from the mind, they come from the thinking mind. So for me, it's to try to to try to recognise it for yourself, rather than uh, relying on other people to give a definition of what consciousness is, or how it should be, or whether this great philosopher says this or that. On the other, what what is it for yourself, and what do you need to do for your own, in your own experience to actually find it out? Like I found after leaving university, I still had these questions. So then I went to go and study neuroscience, and I still had questions. That didn't work. So, I, I, you know, it's like that Rilke poem, how, how do you live these questions? How do you really investigate for yourself right now? How do you have your own uh, inner authority about what is consciousness? So, what is it now?
0: Thank you. Yes, Jose. Jose is a philosophy teacher. So.
6: Yeah. Yes, just a few words on this subject. I think we have to make this uh, distinction between the experience of seeing is obvious, which is a fact. I can't see my face, so I'm open for the world. And um, difference between the experience and the interpretation of this experience, uh, the theory. I think what is very interesting, you can have different interpretation of this experience. Uh, for, for example, Richard, you, you have a friend who is Sam Harris, Sam Harris in the United States. Sam Harris is very interested in seeing, but he is a materialist guy, you know. He, so, and um, I think Dubas was more an idealist, you know, he will, I suppose, like Advaita Vedanta, for example. So, it's very interesting to see that you can have different interpretations uh, of this experience, which is, for me, a, a big mystery. Mister. I have no theory, really, about what is going on. I just um, see my no face. Sometime, I am near the Advaita Vedanta, and I discover myself to be an idealist. Sometime, I'm near from Sam Harris, and I am materialist. And when I am lost in my thoughts, lost in my philosophies, I come back to the... To the experience, to this uh, no-mind mystery, so I don't know. That's my last word. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I think you, you killed it there, I think. <laughs> 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 you, you nailed it! <laughs> All right, I, I, uh, I um, guess some more questions, but I, I'm aware that not everyone responded to how has it affected you over the years. Uh, and it is such an interesting question. So, uh, John, I don't think you responded to that. I do, I'm uh, putting you on the no
3: spot here. Okay, okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna answer a different question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, I, I, <clears throat> Hang on. I've spotted, uh, I've spotted a, a question there that I quite like, okay. And it is, um, is the headless insight nirvana? Oh. And um, I'm here to tell you that it isn't. It's better than nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you why it's better than nirvana. Because it has a unique selling point. You see, nirvana only ever happens to other people. Most of them are dead, okay. A few have got YouTube channels, okay. But generally, nirvana happens to other people. If you not noticed this, okay? yes. whereas unique selling point of the Headless Insight is that it happens to you. I thought it was the name of a cat. <laughs> sorry so um yeah so how has it changed me uh, I'm, I'm getting worse and worse i think is the answer Richard. <laughs> i would also say on that last the last question um about um uh consciousness that um you know the uh the neuroscientists are obsessed with the the hard question of consciousness uh which is how can uh this the sense of of having happened okay the, the sense of being alive and having happened how can consciousness uh, be generated by a a, a couple of pounds of stuff with the consistency of tofu okay your brain okay how can it how can it arise there that that's the. but they've got the question the wrong way around okay uh, the material well a consciousness doesn't occur in spontaneously in, in different parts of the material world. The material world occurs in consciousness. Ah. Consciousness is the fundamental. Okay, just like gravity is a fundamental, consciousness is a fundamental. Is a fundamental, and all science is only known because uh, scientists are able to see and count from consciousness, okay? And all the experiments are about seeing and counting, okay? Every one of them, you see something or you don't see something and you count things, as with Jose and uh, Lorenz, uh, we can see two heads there, but when they counted, they can only see one face, okay? So it's basic maths and basic observation from the fundamental stuff of the universe, which is consciousness.
0: All right. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um,
14: any
0: any uh, another question, Amir or Jade?
2: Um, the most voted question is Dan, Um Douglas explains the eight stages of Headless Way, and one of them is the barrier personal will or ego. How do you, how do you, or did you cope with this barrier?
0: Well, I cope with it every day. And uh, I I find that life is full of barriers and, you know, big ones like the virus and small ones and middle ones all the time. And uh, this is creative and I do not expect it to stop. And uh, I think that for me, uh, this open space uh, somehow gives me the uh, courage or the just the the space to to receive it in a way and uh, not to just uh, run away <laughs> yes, Karen that was good wasn't it anyway
7: very good (laughs) I think uh, with this barrier thing uh, as I experienced in my own life is all about trust and uh, of course I'm used the biggest chunk of my life was to trust myself the little one and uh, um, yeah trying to make her work In one way or another, which of course in the end uh, never happens, she always fails. Uh, Even uh, uh, because of time, uh, you know, things come to an end. And uh, it's somehow trusting what happens. So it's trusting something that is bigger than me, trusting something I don't know, and trusting the mystery where I'm coming from and uh, and that's not easy that's actually uh, a a big leap a uh, a big moment in in your life and i don't manage uh s- structurally do that but as richard say every day every moment again is a question where do i place my trust and uh, is it is it in this what is what is happening or is it uh placing it in my little one of which i know by now you know uh it might work for a little bit but uh, <laughs> not for long
0: wonderful let's stick with this question a bit just the barrier um colin and carol uh, uh, we've got about 10 minutes left so this we just go around really perhaps with this question any thoughts uh,
14: yeah, I'd like. To, I I would just like to to point out that that, that um, those eight eight stages. I think you have, you have to be careful not to um, um, objectify that. This is rough a rough guide to what quite often happens in the countryside that moves through you once you've seen the stillness at the centre. It, it's no more than that. Um, um, so, lots of people seem to go through a crisis, but some don't. Uh, so. Um, I absolutely agree that that, that it is something to do with trust, and I think that that will come in its own time, in its own way, and always when it needs to. Um, And and it is useful to have that commentary there because when you know when everything is going down the tube, it's nice that somebody said everything's going to go down the tube at some point. It just it's encouraging. But you know, I shouldn't hold your nose and wait.
0: Greg and June, any thoughts about that barrier?
13: I, I was just enjoying how getting comfort out out of it's going to go down the tube at some point. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
13: Somebody finally told me that. Oh, I relax.
12: Yeah, I I want to second what what you were saying, Bill. One of the things I love about this approach, if you want to call it that, is that there's no right or wrong way to do it. And that each, I know that I'm having my own experience of it. And one of the the most empowering things for me about this has been how empowering it is to know that I'm the sole authority on what's going on here. And my experience will be my own, it's not going to be anybody else's experience. And so I would just invite everyone who's listening just to remember that, to trust your own experience of what's happening for you in all of this. That's really what it boils down to for me every day. Mm
6: -hmm. Mm Jose, Yes, Um, about this problem of barriere, barriere, same word in French. Um I think it's, it's um, the problem of the will, you know of accepti- acceptation because you can see that you are one with the world because it's so simple, but you can still feel a difference between your personal will and the will of the whole. So I think the the barrier is when you when you encounter this diff- this duality between your will, and the will of the all, which is what it is. For example, you can see that you are not in in a building in your apartment because there is just three walls. You see that you, the apartment is in you, but your will wants to go out because you feel frustrated to be in the apartment. So there is difference between what you see and what you feel, your will. So uh, the barrier is when you feel so the difference between your will and what it is, and there is a lot of barriers in in the, in the life. Each time you have difficulty to accept what it is, it's a sort of barrier. It's very interesting because it pushes you um, deeply in in the unity with the totality, not only with the seeing, but with your heart, with your desire, with your will, with your love. And that's um, what I think what Douglas meant with being one with the world. Not only with seeing, but with your heart, and that's a difficult part for me. me. Um, Thank uh, you.
9: Carol? I'd just like to say one thing about intimacy. Um, True intimacy, I found, is sharing this experience with, with others. It, it leads to one feeling incredibly close to people, um, in a mysterious way, something to do with, although your experience, as as Greg says, is, is going to be different to anyone else's, and yet, somehow you know that they're coming from the same place. Mm. And it's it's just mysterious and wonderful how close you feel to people with whom you share this.
14: Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that.
0: Wonderful, Colin. Have you, uh, uh, Colin? Then Katie. Um, no, I've got
10: absolutely nothing to add to that. That's just wonderful.
0: <laughs> Katie.
11: Yes. So. When I come across a barrier, to, for me, it is a matter of surrender and trust. Trust that nothing can happen that is not the ultimate will of the will of the one who I really, really am. And, and then I ask myself, when I'm looking out, am I the product of the world? Or the origin of the world and boom that's it like that that just said oh okay it's not like i really want it this way i really don't want it i really don't want something or i really want something it it's coming back here to see all the time is is just i'm looking out of the origin of the world
0: Mm -hmm. well that's a wonderful sort of thought there and uh uh, any final thoughts? Uh, just to say, it's just been wonderful to hang out with all of, of you guys and uh, to play together and to come from the space and uh, trust it. Really, to have a webinar and just to trust it. Uh, any any thoughts? Final thoughts? We just got a three minutes.
8: Uh, uh, it, it's been so much fun, you know, and it's so lovely to to hear all the different voices. Do you know? It's just so rich. Uh, it's Really fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, it's brilliant. Thank you all, including the people asking the questions, because that's what
1: yeah. makes it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just always <laughs> like to add, you, there's never enough time to read even half the questions, but just to thank you for all the questions. And there's lots of really brilliant, interesting questions that other times I'd love to hear the answers to that we didn't have time to get through. So e- even just getting to read them has me reflecting and so thank you, even if we didn't read it out loud. Really great. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you to you, Amir and Jade for doing that very important job of keeping an eye on
1: Yes. The, uh, the mm-hmm.
0: chat. Yeah. And thank you all, uh, wonderful friends, uh, sharing this open space and thank you the, uh, the people in the audience and we have regular Zoom meetings, uh, several free meetings a week. So, through the website, get in touch. And if you want to join, we can give you information on that. And uh, any other final words? Yes. Yes, Yes,
10: I'd like to say thank you, Richard, for setting all this up. Yeah. 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 Terrific. (laughs) Thank you, Richard.
5: Wonderful. Wonderful.
6: (laughs) And and it's also French meeting, French Zoom meeting. Ah, yes. Yes, Thursday (laughs) and Friday. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, no, that's great yeah french meeting so uh you can find out that through com, right yes. vivresontette exactly. and john does a monday evening workshop online free Is that true john
3: uh yes and uh yes yeah, so if you go on the home page of the headless way uh you can click on the link there and email me and we do the workshops the extent you can online. Uh, That's that's, uh, good fun. And I'd just like to say if anyone was um, fascinated with Colin's description of a train journey into London, uh, they might like to look at some of his books of poetry, which are absolutely fantastic and are to be found on the um, on the uh, website. Again, there's links there and includes my favourite Line of all time, any poet. In the oneness of things, I am nowhere in sight.
0: <laughs> and in fact, uh, Colin's book, Stepping into Brilliant Air, which is a collection of poetry over many years, uh, is uh, we're just finishing it so that it will be available on Amazon in a, in a week or two. So that's perfect timing. It's a beautiful book, mm-hmm. wonderful poems uh, about seeing your true nature and so on
4: well we're right on time Yeah, judy judy well while we're advertising books <coughs> richard has just recently brought out everyday seeing <coughs> which is a book of quotations from douglas's writings over the years a one for every day and it's just a marvelous way we talked about meditation or you know not having to meditate and all that But it's just a marvellous way in the morning to to read one of these and sort of come back home and mull over it. And the richness of all the thinking and thoughts and depth that this way actually has. The seeing is so simple. This is the one for today. The seeing is so simple, but the richness of the meaning of it uh, never ends.
0: Mm -hmm. That's called Everyday Seeing and it's on Amazon. All right. Well, wonderful to be with you all. So great to see all the audience.
13: All right. Everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.
5: Take care of you. Bye. Stay well. (laughs) Stay safe.